mean, I don't know the answer to this question, so whichever, maybe the pair of you can, can tell us about the genesis of the film, because clearly we can see, we can only imagine the editing job uh, involved. But, I mean, you've done an extraordinary thing. I think it is an amazing piece of work. Um, so will you take us back to the beginning about how this, how it came to be? That's my story. Um, so I, I was working on a series for the BBC about uh, the history of home movie making, the way people have recorded themselves over hundreds of years or whatever. And uh, during the research stages of that, uh, just so many people were telling me that I had to find this chap, Harry Burrell, and uh, uh, all they told me really was that he had this amazing collection of films and he filmed everything all the way back to the 1920s. Uh, and I couldn't find them for ages, and, and that project passed me by. Passed by, but um, his name stuck in my mind, and I kind of uh, tried to track him down for, for the best part of a year, really. And I finally managed to find Karina, his granddaughter, who was uh, an actress working in London. I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I'm amazed it took a year. You know, that in this age, you th how long ago was this? Not that long ago, a few uh, years. Yeah, a few years, yeah. Because just imagine that, you know, the internet and everything, you'd be able to track folk yeah, down, there'd yeah. be databases of, to do with film archive, but not that easy. Maybe I'm just not a great researcher. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's not the case. Uh, yeah, it took a while, it took a while, and finally met up with Karina, uh, who's um, one of the producers of the, the film, and uh, we just kind of hit it off straight away. And all, all I really knew is that he had this incredible collection of, of film dating back, I didn't know he had the diaries, I didn't know he had all these photographs. Uh, so the, the first trip to the, the garden shed that you see in, in the film uh, was pretty uh, special. Yeah, because I wasn't sure, because it's, it's sort of towards the end we see a little bit of, you know, father and daughter and setting up the, the kind of screening room. I don't know much if that's a sort of artifice thing or what for, for the film. Um, but, I mean, were they aware of what they were sitting on, uh, John? I, I think they knew. I mean, some of the film is in the Scottish Green Archive. And uh, when Matt told me about the story, I had a vague memory of having heard about Harry Bill from Janet McBain. Uh, and certainly um, uh, the archive and the film council in days gone by knew about him. And he used to screen his films. He, he, I think he had a screening of a four-hour cut of one of his films <laughs> at the GFT, and he was very disappointed when the BBC wouldn't buy it. <laughs> but maybe it took an editor like Matt and Colin Mooney to pull it together. Yeah. I think that, I mean, each time I see the film, I'm very taken by the structure. I think it, it tells a story very well, given that it, the diaries are only of the wartime, but you managed to tell his life. And he wrote very well, oh, as you Unless you've embellished that at all. Not at all, no. Uh, obviously, uh, you need to ed edit the diaries because there's reams and reams and reams, but uh, uh, it's all these words, obviously, and uh, the, the challenge was sort of matching the words up to the pictures and, and vice versa, because there was, there was bits of the diaries that were, were amazing and really, you know, we wanted to, to put in the film, but there was no pictures. And then there was the pictures that we wanted to put in the film, but there was no real context, so, uh, yeah, it was. It was. It was it's nice to hear Richard Madden do the narration too. Let's face it. Yeah, is he also a Paisley boy? Is that another link? He is indeed. He turned up at the second screening, um, which was nice. Yeah, indeed, very nice. Um, 
So it's just the most extraordinary thing watching it. I'm sure you're the same. I mean, I've felt moist of eye more than once, yeah, folk nodding. But also the be the beauty of the writing, and certainly somebody who, when I was 16, tried to keep a diary, and that was the one attempt, and I didn't. You just think, oh, it, because one of the themes that comes through so strongly and builds up is this idea. It's so touching hearing the, the him speaking at the end you know, from his diaries about the importance of memories. And I think that it's just so unexpected. The, the modern film at the end, the, the new Glasgow and the motorways being constructed. And that's lovely again, I think, because he's passing that on to all of us, perhaps not expecting that, but to the family. It's it's poignant stuff, isn't it? Uh, no, totally. There, there was uh, just you know, reading the diaries that, you know, I was in floods of tears at various points, but uh, uh, to be able to put them to the, to the, to the pictures was, was, yeah, I think what separated it from a lot of other archive films that you see where, where you've got these incredible pictures from yeah, 100 years, years ago, but you've no idea what the people in them were thinking or, or what they were uh, you know, making of what was, what was happening at, yeah. at that time. Uh, with, with Harry's stuff, you, know, you can really tell what he was thinking, why, why he did what he did and how he was feeling at various points. And it's a lovely moment with Freddie's daughter. I mean, that is, that is great where she actually just verbalises that. And it's true for all of us, I think. We probably think of those stills, those pictures we've got. We've got biscuit tins at home. That's what we kept them in the old photographs. But the idea of being able to see, you know, your grandfather or your great-grandmother uh, in action as a young person is very poignant. Have you been in touch with Martin Scorsese about this film? <laughs> I'm sure he'd love it. Not yet. That's your next task, Matt. Um, We're so waiting for our US premiere. Right, is that going to happen? Well, we're still working on that. Yeah, you must. What I'm particularly struck by, Harry, is how he managed to get his friends to turn his camera on him. So he's there a lot of the time, yeah. which is great. Well, that's what I wondered about. How much, what proportion of the film is his movies? And how, did you augment it with, with other footage? No. Wow. There's, there's, there's the, uh, the, the, the Ronald Reagan narrator. Is it Reagan? Yes, it I, thought, is. I thought it was him. Yeah. So I, I think there's a couple of narrators, Reagan yeah. and Madden, they're not bad. They're not bad, they're not bad. But that's an extra, so I mean, we can only imagine, and I want you to tell us a little bit more about the editing job, but that is extraordinary, as you say, turning the, getting other friends to turn the camera on him. But just the sheer amount of, the amount of footage and the detail there, one wonders how he was able actually to do it. Because as we all know, it takes time to set up cameras and all the rest of it. Particularly those scenes where we saw, you know, them preparing for combat. How the heck did he do that? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a mystery to me still. Uh, there's, there's a few hints in the diaries how he managed it uh, in terms of what cameras he had. Uh, but it was still, you know, massive bits of kit that he was lugging through the jungle and up mountains and uh, all over the shop. And, it, and just from the beginnings, that, that idea of somebody who's in, as a wee one getting his first camera and he's in love with the whole idea of movies. So it's the presentation as well, Harry Burrow presents, which is absolutely lovely. It's that sense of occasion and, and the excitement of you know, going into the dark and, and seeing a film that's been properly constructed. So give us an insight then into the horror and hell of editing. Uh, well, how, how many hours? How many days and weeks oh, and months and no, years? No, no, it was literally over. I mean, I wasn't just working exclusively on this. Uh, yeah. Because uh, you know, got paid mortgage and, and stuff. So <laughs> uh, over, it was. Yeah, that's part of the three years, I think. Yeah. Start to finish. I don't think anyone would be surprised because of the the sheer yeah, density of the material. Yeah, there was there was a lot, and uh, there was a lot we had to 
saying bye to as well. You know, sure. you couldn't, you couldn't include it in the film, and uh, you know, it was, it was about uh, you know the diaries were were the real focus. The, the, that's what helped sort of hone in what period of his life we were gonna um, concentrate on. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, John, isn't it? Because you've got all these components. You've got the diaries and then decisions about having the narrator, other bits and bobs you're doing around the archive. I mean, can you give us, a, again, a little insight into the process of the, the decisions you make about how you're presenting all of this? Well, Matt worked on this uh, on his own for quite a long time, uh, editing it. And uh, we didn't really have a deadline, which was useful, although it's really nice to be screening it with people you know, 80 years after the start of the Second World War, which was sort of a deadline for us. Uh, and the idea at one time was it would be on the BBC at this point. But then when we managed to get distribution, we wanted to delay that. But uh, from the producer's point of view, it's just uh, holding your nerve and trusting your director and editor that he's actually got something that he's making something of. And he'd send bits every so often to look at, for me to look at, and that was always encouraging. Um, and he managed to uh, add his own reading to it as Harry Bill, which he did in as dry a voice as possible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that, oddly, yeah, weirdly, uh, it was the, the soundtrack that was, in a way, the biggest challenge because you know you started from nothing. You yeah. got images but no sound, so uh, everything that you hear is is apart from Harry's words is, is what we kind of Yeah, I wondered if he'd recorded any sound, so he he had no, not until I think in the fifties he started with sound, but all the the pre fifties stuff was 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 mute. Because I think the sound is is beautifully done, isn't it? All John's problem. John, yeah, well, he's a genius, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. But it's just all those little effects and yeah. even the little home movies of the kids just, you know, running across gravel and all, all of that. It's just, it's beautifully yeah, it's done. So beautifully done, I thought it was, the sound had been recorded by Harry. Yeah, he, sometimes he, he, he'd go back to earlier films and put uh, music on, but it was always music that we could never, ever afford. It was like the soundtrack to Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so it was about choosing uh, music that was in his kind of style, but uh, was. Well, that's what I wondered about the music, because there's a mix that there's, so you've got original music, but you do have some music that sounds, well, it's like the music we associate with the movies of the time. So, is it, so tell us about that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was a, it was tricky, but I, I did, it was a struggle, luck, really, that I stumbled across. You know, uh, there are libraries, collections of, of old music that around, and I stumbled on a chap called Harry Beryl, who was a composer, uh, not Harry Beryl, Harry, Lu Harry Lubin, another Harry, but yeah. Harry Lubin, who was, uh, he composed uh, uh, incredible soundtracks to, to B-movies through the sort of 40s and 50s, and he had this entire back catalogue that was, that was brought up by a, a library, and it was just sitting there, and no one really seemed to know about it, but I, I just happened across it, and uh, yeah, kind of opened, opened up. Uh, and for you as producer, John, were you like that? Okay, how much is this costing? Was it a bargain? It was. That was that bit was a bargain. And uh, we had some newly composed uh, yeah. music, which was also quite reasonable. But then we licensed the two songs, which were not. Right, yeah. So they made up for it. I'm just wondering if you had, like, the, the pay review, obviously, you working it for so long on your own, but did you have an idea? Did you have a mission? Was it like, look, this guy produced all this extraordinary film? I want to get it out to a wider public. Um, 
you know, I'm just wondering what was driving you, because as we've said, there's so many themes running through the film, and I think that incredible sense of decency and also that older generation, <laughs> you're talking about you, you did your sort of track of the narration in a very low-key way, but I think that is the right way to do it. Madden's quite low-key, because otherwise, I mean, what, what the guy was going through was so extraordinary, those adventures and the horrors of war, the banalities of war and all the family stuff and love lost and all the rest of it. Um, but not making a big thing of it. So just wondering what, what were the themes were that appealed to you, why you wanted to do it in the first place, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, it, I kind of saw, it sounded a bit uh, pretentious maybe, but I Go saw it. Uh, a wee bit of myself in Harry and his obsession with the cinema and, and love of making movies. So I, I wanted to share that and also just uh, he, he just seemed to have a good attitude, a good way of looking at life, you know, trying to get the most out of it despite, you know, the, what's kind of thrown up in front of you. Uh, so there was that, there's there a lot of reasons I, I, mm. I just kind of, you know, he was a, a, an extraordinary picture maker, uh, you know, really great eye. Uh, so I just enjoyed spending time in his, in his image, yeah. images. I think I think uh, you were lucky that uh, Karina trusted you. The family trusted you because they they knew what they had and what they have, and they needed the right person to pull it together. And uh, that's a big job. But, um, I mean, Karina didn't at all know entirely what what she had. Uh, she never read the diaries before, wow. and selfishly, I kind of didn't let her until I was ready for her to read them and could record her reading them and uh, hopefully capture some emotion and there's bits of that um, and, and also we wanted to uh, you know, track some of Harry's friends down as well mm -hmm. and uh, see where they were. That bloke, I forgot his name, uh, what no, a joy no, he was. No, <laughs> yeah, he was one of the chaps I'd filmed for the BBC series Right. And he was one of the chaps who'd tell me about Harry so it's down to him in a lot of ways. Yeah. Originally, you had the idea of tracking down some of the people in uh, in Burma and India, didn't you? Which yeah. was going to be a very big job. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I mean, there's so many ways you could have gone with a film, but at the end of the day, you know, you've got this incredible archive. It needs to be his film. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got you've got Madden, but you've also got that emerging other narration from Karina. So again, that, was that just something that kind of happened organically? As you thought about bringing, you know, I suppose it's almost like a reflection of us as the viewers. You've got a modern viewer who's also part of the family. Yeah, yeah, totally. and there is that sort of voyage of discovery for Karina as well. She opens the, the trunk to reveal these kind of reels of film that no one's really got an idea of what's, what's on them. And every reel that she opened, you know, was another mystery sort of thing. So you wanted to get a bit of that, but again, uh, the the quality of the film, I think, is because it's kind of Harry's work and it's mm -hmm. as much of him as, as we could put in there. Yeah. Um, sorry, I was just going to say, we have, a, we have a mic, don't we? We don't have a mic for the audience, but we can pass one to you. If you get any questions, just raise your hand, because I'm sure you do. If you don't, that's fine. I'm sure you have. Yay! Oh, we'll come back to you. Just... Uh, congratulations, I thought the film was great. Uh, 
could you talk a little bit, just for a minute, about the, the music, where, where you felt you needed new composed music and what kind of brief you gave your composer? Uh, <coughs> so, the original music we thought would stick mainly with Karina's journey, the present tense sort of stuff, but um, uh, he, he did such a good job, uh, Ian Dolomore is his name, uh, that I, I sent him some of Harry Lubin's tracks, which was the, the chap who uh, wrote all these uh, B-movie soundtracks, uh, and he, he got caught up in that as well, so his uh, the, the original music started to uh, emulate some of the, the historic music, uh, and it was just sort of blended a bit more than I, I thought we were going to blend. Uh, not really answering your question here, but uh, um, yeah, it was just what, what kind of felt right. Uh, certainly the, the Harry Lubin soundtrack is, is associated mainly with um, Harry's films from when we were in the past. Um, how, how many hours of um, Harry's film did you actually have access to in order to make the film? And, and did you have to do any restoration work at all on it? Um, in terms of hours, I, do you know, we never actually counted it all up, but it was just, it was too confusing because, you know, they're on uh, different sizes of reels, uh, and then when they come into sort of a digital format, it, they get sort of changed a wee bit. Um, in terms of restoration, we, we didn't actually do, do that much. Uh, it was all done by a company called iMeta, who are a new Glasgow company, um, who uh, invented um, a new sort of way of scanning film, uh, a machine that they patented, and unfortunately we got in at just at the right time, they just opened up and gave us a good deal for because yeah, it, it was like over hundreds of hours, it was hundreds of hours worth of, of footage basically. Well they should have done you a good deal because you've done a brilliant advert for them now haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> and with continued screens of, of the film. May I just ask, what is on the, the post-war films and how much of that is there? Uh, yeah, the, 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 it's the same again if not, if not more uh, post-war stuff, you know, uh, when his kids came along, Harry was obsessed with his kids. And <laughs> filmed everything. It was every pretty stage of their, pretty much stage of their lives. That's that's on on film. Uh, he also made sort of dramas as well with his kids. Uh, got them engaged in sort of little stories. A um, great little little uh, short films. Uh, there's uh, also several films that um, uh, just of Scotland. Um, Love Scotland, uh, and you know, if, if we were going to do another film, I think Harry Bill presents Pictures of Scotland would be would be the next one probably because you know it's stuff from yeah the thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, and it's it's really well filmed. It's 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 a, it's, a, it's a great archive, and it is it's beautiful, isn't it, to see those early shots and films of Varan mm. and the mountains, and then of course he's up in Nepal, and he's obviously we're watching, thinking, oh, that's really Scotland. He's he's saying that in his diaries, yeah. so it's it's incredibly rich. Any other questions? Yes, we'll get you a mic if you don't mind, thank you. What happened to the girl who left behind? <laughs> <laughs> we all wanted him to marry her, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, that was what was interesting for Karina, obviously, as well. There was all these points uh, that she was reading in the diary where 
you know, things could have been very different for her. She might not have even existed if he'd married Anne or if, if he'd married uh, Barbara. Uh, yeah, we tried to track all these people down, obviously. We tracked Barbara down and sadly she was killed in the Blitz. Um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, and we, we, we thought we'd try it down, but we, um, we met her daughter, oh, no, we didn't meet her daughter, we spoke to her daughter, who we sent footage to, and she didn't think it was her mom, so she <laughs> was kind of a bit dead end to her. Uh, so we, we know, hopefully when the film goes out and, and, see, and yeah. hits, a, hits a wider audience, you know, we'll, we'll get some of these kind of stories an end to some of these stories. I thought it was clever what you did because we see a few times the lady with the incredible figure in her pink swimming mm -hmm. costume. Yeah, yeah. Who is she? It's like, oh, that's, that's Joan. That's Joan. I, I looked at her thinking, it's not Joan, Jan. <laughs> 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 no, that was, that was nice. That was We're going to start crying again. <laughs> Any more questions? Any more things to say? John, you can tell us more as a producer. No, I just so I think it's a universal story, and that's you know we can sit here and think of our own parents and grandparents, and uh, that's what's engaging about yeah. it, as well as ever, all the memories it has and all that lovely footage of Queen Street Station mm -hmm. before it was changed, before it was changed, <laughs> and the trams and everything else. It's it's great. Yeah, because obviously we recently with the anniversary of the war, we're seeing so many war films which are moving too, but they're specifically about war. The, theatre of war, but it's, it's the incredibly rich mix. So I just think, you know, as First Gentleman started off by saying, congratulations, I mean, particularly yeah. Matt, I mean, it's an extraordinary feat that you have achieved, seriously. Um, did you dream of, did you dream about Harry? Did, did, did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah uh, no, it felt like a safe I think you have done that. Um, and uh, so just tell us, John, what the plans are. Well, there'll be some more screenings in Scotland that will be announced soon, uh, and in the rest of the UK, and then uh, on television, perhaps, sometime in the new year. Got to be. And what's next for you, Matt? So I missed the introduction John did, but he was talking about you're doing murder stuff. You know, like murder. Yeah. A wee bit different? Uh, it couldn't be much more different. Uh, yeah, we... we uh, there's a series called Murder Case, which followed the major investigation team, Police Scotland, uh, pretty grim stuff, um, but hopefully worthwhile. Um, uh, and there's a second series of that. There's a, there's a, a follow-on thing from that, which I can't really say much about. <laughs> without, um, uh, yeah, I'm in murder. <laughs> Let me ask you, is it always documentary? I mean, I know you've, it's documentary that you've always done, isn't it? Do you want to do a transition into narrative, featurey stuff, or are you happy being the son of Harry Biddle? <laughs> I, uh, it's, yeah, well, that's, that's what I wanted to do when I was uh, growing up, make, make films, make movies, whatever. So, what, yeah, one day I, I, I promise myself I'll, I'll try and do a, a drama or a feature film sometime. Great. Well, I think, shall we leave it there, ladies and gentlemen? Um, Thank you, Congratulations. Thank you all very much for being here. Well done, congratulations.